Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, Tuesday edition. That means we're joined by our old friend, Emery Hunt. What's up, man? What kind of intro was that, man? Like, where was that energy coming from? What, is it not enough? No, no, it's, I think it's perfect, but <laughs> it, it surprises me every time. I'm a morning person, man. I've been up since, well, for about, let's say, five hours. Yeah, I'm a, so. I'm a morning person as well, too. You know, so I just, I just, I just love the enthusiasm. No coffee. Well, Emery, you know, it's like I was crushed for a minute when all those positive tests came in, and then everything was fine again when they turned out to be false positives. Uh, <laughs> so I guess <laughs> roller coaster of emotions. So yeah, I mean, as far as we know, the football season's still on. That's good for all of us, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, especially NFL, college football is still. You know, we won't know if college football is on until kickoff. There's actually a college game this weekend, so we'll see. What's the game? Central Arkansas and Austin P. The governors. You think, they, you think they're going to do it? I mean, Central Arkansas has made it be has let it be known that they're playing. So they they have uh, four games scheduled. Austin P. If this was a normal season, would have been one of the you know better teams in the FCS this year. They just they fired their coach. Um, or he stepped down uh, to take care of family matters, he says. Uh, and he's coming off of his first season when he led them to the playoffs. So, you know, there's a lot of turmoil going there. There's a couple of NFL prospects uh, that people will keep an eye on, but they're going to do it. They're going to play. And, and it's right. funny, ESPN moved the game to 9 p.m. Eastern time Saturday to take advantage of being the only college game on TV. Yeah, but I guess, but like, if it was at three, I think I would watch it too, right? If it was at eleven a.m., people will watch it. Yeah, it's the only college football game, right? All right, well, good. I get ESPN knows what they're doing, I guess. But I mean, you're gonna keep people up that late, right? That's that's. I'm about to say, yeah, that's that's borderline. You know, Hawaii kickoff, like it's it's you you're pushing it real real close to the line of me not watching. Yeah, but you come on, like. You mean I'm going to watch as in like a normal person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm going to watch. But, you know, I am 39 years old. So fatigue could <clears throat> set in and I could be like, you know what? This nap is going to feel real good. And it's, I can get a jump start on my sleep at nine. Get up early the next day. You're as old as you want to be, man. Remember that. It's <laughs> true. <laughs> uh, Footballgameplan.com for more Emory Hunt. Uh, there's a lot of. He just casually slipped in, like, oh, yeah, there are some NFL prospects on Austin P. Uh, that's that's the Emory thing. So get on that if you want to hear about some of these players that you've probably never heard of before. Cordell Jackson is the guy you want to keep an eye on. And, uh, for instance. And Rochelle is the cornerback for Central Arkansas. I saved you guys a click. There you go. Which is backwards, but that was very kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you enticed them to click more. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, Emery, uh, really quick before we get into today's show, which is going to be, we're going to look at the new offensive coordinators, and then we got some, uh, yeah, some I call them games, like little mini rankings of uh, of three things that I'd like to get your opinion on, ranging from like the Miami receivers, who's going to have more yards, to uh, uh, a couple like a couple what I thought were pretty cool lines on the DraftKings sportsbook that involved Tom Brady, Cam Newton, and Teddy Bridgewater, which I'd like to just have your opinion on those. But uh, before we do that. As is now a tradition, what'd you have for breakfast today? I made Last a nice. Last week it was pancakes. You got everybody. <laughs> yeah, it was protein pancakes. Uh, today it was an egg white omelet. You know, something quick with some spinach on the side. You know, just a uh, and some Vermont cheddar cheese. So it's with on the side. So it's scrambled eggs. Ba- basically, but <laughs> I, I use. You know how you get those small cartons of egg whites? Yeah, it was pretty much the whole carton. So. Oh. All yeah, right. it was a so it was essentially a you could say scrambled eggs, but it was a nice size omelet that I could fold over. Uh, well, I'm and, just saying if the spinach is on the side and it's not in yeah, there, then it's not an omelet, right? Well, because I, I realized after I made, it, I was like, "Oh, man, I should use it. I, should, I want spinach." And then I was like, "All right, let me just make spinach." But you All now right. can microwave in the in the in the bag in the microwave, which is pretty impressive. All right, sounds good. So full of energy for at least the next 40 minutes. Exactly. Then I'm going to go right. walk and, and, and burn off these calories, try to keep, you know, I got to stay in shape, man, because, you know, at some point I'm going to be on camera again and I have to make sure I keep up an image. You know, I'm like a fashion icon. Technically, aren't you on camera with the shows? Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, but I, you know, I haven't had a haircut since the pandemic, so I've been cutting my own hair. Nice. But, you Me know, it's, I think I'm at the point now where I do feel comfortable enough to say, okay, 
I can go get a, a haircut because if I get a haircut and I'm still in shape, it's over for a certain demographic. <laughs> and that's males 18 to 34 who enjoy college football. Exactly. And they want to know yeah. how to dress and how to look properly on camera. They come they come seek out the czar to playbook. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else is gravy. Right. <laughs> on that note, let's let's get into this. Uh before we get into the offensive coordinators, I just want to just a very general. Is there anything like I, I'm sure you've been eating all this up and kind of soaking it in? Is there anything for the preseason practices that we should be, I don't know, noting? Is there anything that jumped out to you? It's like, oh well, you know, that's a little more than just like coach speak or a little more than just like a drill. There's something like like you know a little sparkle in your eye. Well, you see what the coaches are saying, and it, it's with a lot of these rookies, and it's jiving with what you saw as prospects and what you thought going into, you know, a training camp per se. And, you know, one one guy in particular, you're seeing a lot of talk and a lot of positive things come out of the Steelers camp with Anthony McFarlane, you know, the explosive running back. I mean, you see him, you saw him versus Ohio State just straight up eat up Ohio State's defense. He had like 200-something yards on like nine carries, some ridiculous number like that. And already he's the most explosive back in their backfield. That that was a given when they drafted him. And they're they're really impressed with what he has done so far in training camp, which leads you to believe that he's going to see a lot a lot of carries. Um, and I, I think by the time we hit the midway point of the season, they're going to realize we can't keep this dude off the field. He's our best back, and they're going to keep giving him the football. Is he going to supplant James Conner, you think, or is he going to uh, like, still you Steelers know, have a type error? Yeah, they, they have a type at running back, just like Green Bay has a type at receiver. Um, you know, the Giants seemingly have a type at, uh, you know, tight end or receiver as well. So, you you know, the Ravens have a type at at, uh, at linebacker. Uh, so, you know, certain teams just have type, and, and it's, it's hard for them to get away from that. Steelers have – Steelers like these big burly backs. So that's why, one, you were surprised they didn't take A.J. Dillon um, – but they took Anthony McFarlane, which is a good thing because McFarlane is like, man, you know, you want the ball in his hands because he's a threat to score every play. That's something that they lacked last year. All the backs that they had, Benny Snell, uh, Connor, um, Samuels, it, it was it was a bunch of the same thing. They're all the same guy. I know Benny Snell has lost 20 pounds. He said he's, he's down to like 209 or 210, something like that. So he feels quicker. We'll see, you know, because once you get those pierogies in you and and uh, Primanti Brothers and all the stuff like that, you know, you're going to get back up to 225, 230. And, you know, because we, we got to see how he plays at that weight. And that's why we don't have the benefit of, you know, the preseason. That's one thing that we miss, seeing how guys play at these new weights that they that they are listed at and, it, you know, come into the camp the best shape of their lives. So we'll see. But I, if it were me, I'd pay more attention to that McFarlane hype than anything. You know, for my birthday, there's this company. I think it's called like uh, Gold Belly or Good Belly, something like that. Good Belly, um, God yeah, Belly, you know or something it? like that. Yeah. So my wife, for my birthday, my wife got me Primanti Brothers, and they ship it in like this, you know, cool styrofoam thing, so it, it stays fresh. Mm-hmm. And they just, they, you know, there's bread, there's cheese, there's the meat, there's the fries. It's it was the greatest thing ever. Uh, we just made a bunch of Primanti Brothers sandwiches. Speaking of fat, so bo- fat boy news. Um, I want to say a couple of weeks ago, uh, <laughs> I was, you know, jonesing for pizza, right? And not just pizza, because we live in the pizza capital. Yeah. You know, I was jonesing for Chicago-style pizza. Um, in New Jersey. In New Jersey. I was like, man, I just really would love a deep dish. Found that Giordano's delivers, and I had four shipped over, because you couldn't order just one. <laughs> so yeah. I ate the one when I, you know, it came in those, those the styrofoam with the dry ice and perfect you were able to you know warm it It, and it tastes just like it would have at the restaurant it was perfect it was what i need but now i have three other you know chicago style pizzas in my freezer exactly just like man so fat boy news was brought to you in part by wegman's purified water (laughs) by the way our uh, producer michael bell is a chicago guy so i guess he could just like go to giordano's whenever he wants right and and again i I don't want to get into the debate on Giordano's or you know Gene yeah, exactly I just I just needed that deep dish you know more cheese and you know it, I just needed that that flavor 
and I wasn't gonna be able to get to Chicago to get it. And so that was the first one I saw that that was able to deliver, uh, you know, online. But they say you got to buy a minimum of four. So I just paid a hundred bucks for pizza, but it was worth it. Whatever, man. It's twenty five bucks a pizza. It's really not the worst. Anyway, let's we're getting off track again. <laughs> let's go to the offensive coordinators. Um, I want to start with which I, I feel is one of the more interesting ones in uh, Dallas. So it's not they've got the same offensive coordinators last year actually in Kellen Moore. But new head coach, obviously, Mike McCarthy. So I, I was, how is this going to play out, first of all, just from a, a coaching hierarchy kind of thing? Like, you know, last year, Jason Garrett, I guess, is known to the Jason Garrett offense. Kellen Moore executes it. Is this going to be a Mike McCarthy offense with Kellen? Because when you see these holdovers, you're like, oh, that's not, that's not really Mike McCarthy's guy, you know? Like, that's maybe it's not going to mesh well. How is that going to function, I guess, kind of logistically and harmoniously uh, in a situation like that? Well, from what he says, he says – he kept him because of the relationship he has with Dak and, you know, he's a young coordinator and we saw the success they had early on in the season with, uh, Moore was completely in charge of the play calling. And then we saw the offense. I don't know if it was because of Moore or did Jason Garrett take over the play calling in the middle part of the season to where they started to struggle a little bit to what latter part where they couldn't really, the offense really couldn't, you know, fire on all cylinders like it was earlier in the year. Or maybe teams just caught up to what Moore was doing. So you wonder how much of uh, influence that he's going to have. But I think regardless if it's Moore or McCarthy, the play itself on the field will yield itself to uh, success no matter who's calling the plays because they're healthy along the offensive line. They added another dynamic talent in C.D. Lamb. They still have Dak Prescott who was playing great football last year. And, you know, the tight end, Blake Jarwin, figures to be a thing uh, this year. Now he's going to actually be the guy and doesn't have that, uh, you know, that uh, that uh, Jason uh, Witten hanging over him, that shadow. So I think because of what they have on offense, all of that, who's going to call the plays won't even matter. Because if you look at what McCarthy was doing with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, they were spreading the field, you know, working vertical, working touchdown to check down. They were, you know, spreading the field to also run the football. He has a better back uh, in Ezekiel Elliott than he had ever in Green Bay. So I don't, I think this offense is going to be, you know, legit. It's going to be on fire. It doesn't matter who's calling the plays. And I think we we may see a situation where you have, you know, fifteen hundred yard rusher, two one thousand yard receivers, and and Gallup may even uh, Gallup or Lamb may be that second one thousand yard receiver, but whoever's third will probably end up with like 700 to 800 yards receiving. So I, I do project big things for the Cowboys offense. Oh, see, so that's what I was – so all these people who were like, oh, Dak last year, he's going to carry it over this year. And I'm like, well, you know, there's a new coach. Uh, not a worry. Maybe even better, you're saying, right? Yeah, because he gives the element of – I mean, he's similar to Aaron Rodgers in the sense that he's athletic. He can push the ball vertically down the field. His deep ball accuracy is is very impressive. Just like Aaron Rodgers was in his in his prime, um, he's he has that escape ability to extend the play. What Mike McCarthy, the, the the last back that Mike McCarthy had that was of the caliber of Ezekiel Elliott was Deuce McAllister when he was in New Orleans. So I think this offense will be you know one of the top three in the NFL. And you mentioned the <clears throat> sorry the vertical the checkdown stuff. Uh, that's not, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott just in the last couple of years has exploded in terms of targets. That's not going to change either. Not at all. Receiving back in this offense. Well, that's, that's a good part of being uh, a quarterback that can escape because you're going to find outlet, you know, receivers and, and Elliott is going to, you know, be in play as a byproduct of, you know, being out there on the field consistently as a every down back. All right. I'm, I'm sold. I like the Cowboys. Um, is there anything crazy? Last question on that. Is there anything crazy like this? Maybe McCarthy more offense. Um, you know, I, I go back, like I always go back to this one example when the Raiders had, Oh, McFadden. Yeah, it was, it was Darren McFadden mm-hmm. and they switched coaches. I think to Tom Cable and they went to zone blocking. Um, maybe it was right around that Tom Cable time, whatever it was. And he like, he just bottomed out and everyone's like, what happened? It's like, he just couldn't figure out the zone blocking scheme. Is there anything like that that could trip up uh, anyone? Or, like, or is this just like Mike McCarthy? I don't want to say he's like runs a simple enough offense, but it's it's nothing crazy like 
you know, Kingsbury offense you have to learn or like switching the, the zone blocking scheme, stuff like that. Is this still, I just want to make sure we have every base covered here. Like this is just going to be just embrace this team because everything's going to be great in this offense. Yeah. I think you just have to embrace the team. The only downside potentially that could be there is if, you know, the focal point of the offense would change. Let's say if McCarthy decides, well, I want to go strictly featuring Ezekiel Elliott and more wants to feature, you know, uh, Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. And they have that power struggle right there. But, you know, I don't foresee that happening because you go back to Mike McCarthy again, it's always been about the QB and where he has had issues is his red zone play calling and how he handled the red zone. That was a big contention point for a lot of the beat writers in green Bay when McCarthy would get down inside the red zone. It seemed as though he lost his playbook, uh, but that is made easier when you have an Ezekiel Elliott, it, it eliminates bad decisions, you know, and you have guys like a Dak Prescott that is athletic that can get out of a jam. That also can be a factor inside the red zone with his leg. So there's a lot of bad decision erasers on this Cowboys team. <laughs> I with, like that with, term, man. <laughs> you know, with Dak and Ezekiel Elliott once they get down there inside the red zone. Nice. Um, quick follow-up question. Were those pizzas all cheese or could you get like pepperoni? You could you can get creative, but I was like I just wanted the I when I went to Chicago, this was in two thousand uh I think thirteen or fourteen. Maybe it was thirteen. Um I just loved that flavor and I just had it was just a cheese pizza that I had. Um I was like, man, this is this is fantastic. You know, nice. and I was trying to get that trying to make my own during the pandemic, but you can't, you know, the it was funny, you try to make your own. But there was a shortage of dough, like yeah. because everybody yeah. was home and everybody was buying dough to make bread or whatever. So I was like, "Damn!" You <laughs> right. know? So we couldn't really make uh, the pizza like we wanted to. So when I saw that they were actually offering to ship them, I was like, "This is perfect." Nice. Uh, all right, let's go to the Giants. Thank you for that. Let's go to the Giants. <laughs> uh, so Jason Garrett, you know, just just pulling him out of Dallas and going to New York. Um, yeah, this is good. it's weird. Like you know, Joe Judge, New England guy. You kind of worry like if he. You know, bought into that New England system. It's going to be a weird running back thing, and it was a Saquon Barkley's value get hurt. On the flip side, you're like, well, Jason Garrett, you know, no problem at all. How's that? How's that going to function? How's that going to work? I like Jason Garrett, man. I I, I think Jason Garrett. Uh, you know, I I wouldn't have had an issue with him still being in Dallas, but I do think when you look at what he will bring to the table, you know, everything is going to be uh, quick timing base, uh, a lot of movement left to right. Well, if it's quick and timing base, I think that marries perfectly with what with what uh, Daniel Jones does well. Um, anytime Daniel Jones has to survey and read, that puts him in a disadvantage because he's going to hold the football too long, take sacks, and or fumble. But when he has to get the ball out quick and then it's, you know, it's about timing and, uh, you know, and, and rhythm – that's where he excels, and I think that's where, especially when you look at the receivers that they have, everyone has made Darius Slayton out to be Jerry Rice when really he's, you know, the fastest of the group. And um, yeah. But they all are catch-and-run guys. So it's advantageous to have a quick, short passing game to take advantage of Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, uh, Darius Slayton, Corey Coleman, if he's out there healthy. In their Corey Coleman's to... an Emory guy. That's an Emory guy. Exactly. You know, and it's yeah. a shame. You know, I, ta- I spoke with him last uh, training camp, I did an interview with him, and he was like, you know, I asked him, I was like, man, you seem to be in so much more of a better place spirit-wise than you were in Cleveland. And, you know, prior to that, you know, the last, the previous year, he had came to the Giants late in the season and really helped them out on special teams. And he was like, man, I'm just, I- I'm, excited about the opportunity i feel better i'm healthy um you know i'm confident in my abilities i'm really starting to grow into a pro then he goes and tears his acl i want to say like a couple weeks later um so it was sad to see that situation but now he's back i'm supposed to be at practice maybe this week i think friday i get to go to practice again um or go for the first time and see how he's moving around and, and how he's you know looking but they're filled with catch and run guys even their tight end and evan ingram catch and run guys so 
um, getting the ball out quick on time with those receivers could help Daniel Jones mitigate his inability to get rid of the football, uh, you know, quickly in a traditional sense of, you know, having to drop back and read the defense and also helps eliminate a lot of the issues he has with feeling pressure and holding on to the football. Does that also benefit Corey Coleman in a way? Like if, if you're going in there expecting like quick release, quick release, and they just bomb one out to Corey Coleman for, you know, 70 yards, right? Like that's, I mean, you're kind of lulling them in to this one style of calling. And then you got the dude who can just run out and go deep, right? Yeah. You have Coleman and you also have Darius Slayton Rice, you know, um, that, you know, or Darius Slayton Megatron, whatever, whichever. It depends on which giant fan you talk to uh, (laughs) and what they, how they view Darius Slayton, uh, you know, Fitzgerald. So (laughs) it's, um, but Slayton is another one that, that seems to have developed that good rapport with Daniel Jones. And, and Slayton does have very good acceleration to where he tracks the football well and can close on the football uh, if it's going deep down the field. So, yeah, if you're lulling these guys to sleep with a lot of Tate, a lot of Shepard, um, Slayton and Coleman can beat you deep down the field. Nice. Uh, so we feel good about the Giants. Saquon Barkley, untouched. Still should be the number two yeah, player. Yeah, especially and their and their offensive line is is better than what people made it out to be. You know, being at the games all the time, you you look at what people focus on. If someone wants someone to be successful, they'll find an excuse for that person. And I thought for the last three years, both Eli and also Daniel Jones last year, the offensive line was an easy scapegoat. These five people aren't doing their job right. That's why this one guy is is, is trash, you know, yeah. when really the common denominator is the one guy, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, right. And no one wants to blame that person because, oh, it's not his fault. Even though they also say in the same breath, that person's supposed to make everybody around him better. That's the part I got into a whole debate with on Twitter uh, this past weekend when someone pointed out the Jets receiving core. And I sar- sarcastically said, well, I thought the franchise quarterback supposed to make everybody better. So, well, I mean, well, you got to give him. Oh, wait. So if you give Sam Darnold, Andre Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, Jerry Rice, then he'll show you he's a franchise quarterback. If he needs all of that to show you he could be a franchise quarterback, then why wouldn't he show you that regardless? And it wasn't even a knock on Sam Darnold. It was a knock on a dumb myth that someone can make somebody better. You can't. So I said all that to say this. It wasn't the offensive line for the last three years. It was a quarterback's inability to get rid of the football or get themselves out of the way. Um, so with the offensive line being what it is now, even adding athleticism and, and uh, talent, I asked on the Giants Zoom call, I asked Jason Garrett, man, you guys targeted specific offensive linemen like Andrew Thomas, Matt Parrott, uh, Shane Lemieux, all drafted this year, all are 6'5". 315. No one's 330. No one's 6'7, 345. It was like you guys focused on these lean, uh, you know, linear athletic linemen that can move. Well, you know, what was that about? He said, you know, we want we want to get linemen that can get to the second level, that can be able to get out and move on on the perimeter. We want to be an athletic offensive line. So when you look at who they targeted and fitting them into this offensive mix with Kevin Zeitler, who was excellent his first year with the Giants. Uh, Will Hernandez is more of an old school, like, you know, foxhole guy, you know, phone booth blocker. But they have a lot of athleticism and versatility up front. So Saquon should have a fantastic year. They should move that offense left to right. They should take more advantage of Daniel Jones's ability to be used as a runner. I think this offense can can push the pace a little bit more and really cause some problems. These coaches must love you on these calls, man. That's like a, you know. I've watched all these pressers. I'm like that doesn't sound like a question I've ever I've ever heard. <laughs> I ask I ask legit great questions. At, no, not not probably blowing my own horn, but I ask questions I would want to know, and it, they tend to be football related. When you're and and I'm not knocking other beat writers on these calls because they tend to ask specific questions for their you know their articles or their stories, right. but I don't have that that obligation. So I can jump in and ask a football-related question. And a lot of times, coaches, uh, you know, want to answer football-related questions. So they give you an ex- expanded answer rather than, you know, how's Daniel Jones looking today? 
Or is uh, is Corey Coleman coming off injury? How is he looking? What's the timeline for, you know, Will Hernandez to be healthy? You know, so they get those questions a lot. But here I come with this football question. Like, oh, well, damn, I didn't I didn't expect that. Let me answer that one. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Establish so I have trust. I have I have a <laughs> I have like a, a three minute uh, clip of video of different coaches, whether it's, you know, at these pressers, different coaches and players at the combine. Just saying, man, that's a good question. That's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> but not to toot your own horn, though. Not to toot my own horn, but I, I did have, save that. I a three-minute clip here that I <laughs> – Just so happened that you asked. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, where can people find that football game plan? Football game plan, youtube.com slash football game plan. There you go. Click the link. Um, Check the link. Uh, moving on from, uh, from Jason Garrett, another former head coach who got a job pretty quickly, Jay Gruden, taking over the offensive coordination in Jacksonville. Um, you know, I, tell me, you know what? Fact check my work here, Emery. I was, uh, I was pretty high on um, Tyler Eifert for the last couple months because I go to like the, you know, basically the tendencies of the offensive coordinators. I basically pulled up every year Jay Gruden was either a head coach or an OC and looked at all of his offenses. And it was always, he's, he tight ends, man, are either second in yards or second in touchdowns. I think all but like two of the years when he served as a head coach or offensive coordinator. And I see they brought in Tyler Eifert. And I know dude's always hurt, but, you know, when he's not hurt, he's actually pretty good. So, to me, it looked like Jay Gruden offense uses the tight end a ton, and uh, maybe Tyler Eifert's the guy there. He's a super deep sleeper for me. Am I barking up the wrong tree? First, we have to find out if they're dating the same woman first because we don't want that situation to play out like you did in, <laughs> in, in Washington. We saw I how that – was a metaphor. I thought <laughs> – no, no, no. <laughs> I thought that was like some kind of football thing. Like, hey, that's very smart. But you're actually literally, yeah. <laughs> literally. We we know what we know the stories surrounding that situation in Washington. But all jokes aside, to be That does complete- not mean that they share the same thoughts on the playbook. That actually means exactly. That actually means what I what I said. The pictures and videos are out there. Um and the text messages are out there. So when you look at that position. Yeah, Eifert is the guy if he's healthy. He's And he was healthy all last year for Cincinnati and, you know, had his best season in like four years. So, yeah, he's the guy. But I love the depth chart here, man. One of my favorite underrated players on that roster, and this is a hat tip to my scouting chops, is James O'Shaughnessy. You know, and it's yeah. interesting when you, you know, I, I scouted him at, at Illinois State and was high on him leading up to the draft. He gets drafted. No one knew who he was. Everyone had to go to my video and found a video breakdown. The video blew up. Um, and he ends, he's still in the league. And this was in 2014 or 15. And he's still productive. And they like him down there in Jacksonville. They also drafted Tyler Davis out of Georgia Tech. And people will look at that and say, well, he went in the sixth round. He came out of Georgia Tech option offense that was trying to transition this year in the first season of Jeff Collins, who was at Temple. He's just a blocker. No, go back and look at Tyler Davis when he transferred from UConn. He was just like Tyler Eifert. He was a legit receiving threat, catch and run option. Just so happens he goes to Georgia Tech and, you know, has to play more of a blocking role in that offense. And they have undrafted rookie free agent Ben Ellison out of North Dakota State, who was on fire down at the East West Shrine Bowl uh, this past January, uh, winning one-on-one routes. He's probably more inclined to play, you know, H-back or, or what have you. So they got options. So that tells me that the t- – and they lose, um, I guess, for the season. Uh, he got he got injured. The the tight end that was um, Josh Oliver, who they drafted last year out of San Jose State. He was, so, he was a sleeper for a lot of people. Yeah, he was a sleeper, and he he's yeah. out, you know. But they're, I think they're stacked at tight end, so they're going to feature the tight end a lot. They also, you know, you like LaVisca Chenault, a move piece in the offense. Um, people so like they him. do. He's, he's, a, he's been a lot, of, a lot of buzz this season. Yeah, because he can line up in the slot. He can also take carries out the backfield. He can be their version of Debo Samuel. Um, so I, I like the pieces that they have on offense to me. You know, and they have his favorite friend right there and Chris Thompson in the backfield, too. So there is a lot to like about Jacksonville's offense, and and it'll all come down to Gardner Minshew just improving on what he was able to do last year and not take those bad sacks, not put the ball in harm's way, not fumble the football. He has a fumbling problem. 
um, because this offense has pieces, and I think the offensive line is underrated. Yeah, but you know, uh, Minshew, I remember you and was it you and Salfino? Did it, did a back and forth last year on him, or maybe you wrote two separate articles and they kind of went in two different directions. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it, it, and Minshew to me, uh, I think people like the idea of Minshew, the character of Minshew, but his actual play, he left a lot of plays out there on the field, and there's a reason why he got benched, you know, for the guy that he took over for. In Nick Foles, he wasn't yeah. playing good in the middle part of the season. You know, he had a spark when he started. Like Jay Z says, you had a spark when you started, but now you're just garbage. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I think that was the case last year with Minshew. It, it was, it was a situation where he came in, he flashed, they looked good, they moved the football, the offense was exciting. He was a rookie and he was playing well above his draft status. And you know, he had the mustache, he had the jorts, and everybody was going crazy. Like, oh, this is cool, fun guy, Jacksonville. You know, right. Florida, Florida man, um, right. but it, it just didn't pan out long term, and he started to struggle. Uh, but this year, him going in as a guy, realizing that he has an opportunity to really put a stranglehold on this position and play himself into a new contract as well, um, with all of that's around him, I think he has no choice but to play well. I mean, he drafted LaVisca Chenault. Colin Johnson was a guy, had a very high grade on it, got him in the fifth round. The six-five receiver out of Texas. They already got you know Chark, who developed a great chemistry with uh, Minshew. D.D. Westbrook is still there. Conley you know, D. D. as Westbrook, well. Uh, D.D. Westbrook, I really like. He had a hundred targets last year. I don't know like what like what not what more he has to do, but I feel like people are he could be the number one there. I mean, D.J. Chark, I know blew up last year and is probably number one, but doesn't Westbrook have like the, the I don't know ability to be a number one? I think he's more of the your, your solid number two. Right. You know, he he's more of your uh, your Marvin Jones in this offense as opposed to your Galladay. Okay, Fair. you know if that makes sense. Yeah, um, like he's consistent, and so I I I like Jacksonville if they, you know, defensively if they can make things happen because their secondary is completely rebuilt, um, outside of Ronnie Harrison. But if you know, and they got rookies starting that I really like in C.J. Henderson. But if their secondary and defense as a whole just, you know, really comes to play. I think offensively, there's enough there for them to be a factor in that division. Yeah, uh, hold that thought because that's part of our second half. There's a Jacksonville over-under that I want to get to. Okay. Yeah. Uh, actually, you know what? Hold on. We're going we're gonna to take a quick break. We're going to come back. Uh, I, I think, I, I don't know, man, if we need to get into Matt Rule and Joe Brady, if we can do that next week and then just get into the games. But uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this quick message. And we're back, uh, Emery. Do you, you want to? I mean, do you want to skip Rule and Brady and, and go right to uh, the games? No, I think we can. Uh, and you know what? It depends because i i have a I have a take on Brady. Oh, then please go. Here, so well, let me. Th- here's what I wanted to ask, and maybe it's the same take, but maybe not. Um, first of all, Brady Brady was LSU, so I'm assuming that you have something interesting. Um, yes, mine was more of a DJ Moore Curtis Samuel thing, where people are jumping all over Moore. And kind of ignoring Samuel when a year ago at this time they were basically putting up the same exact numbers. Um, but you go first, and then if we have time, you can address more of my craziness, I guess. Well, here's the thing: when you look at Joe Brady and having worked with Teddy Bridgewater before when he was in New Orleans, both were in New Orleans. You go to he goes now to LSU, and in his one season there, transforms that offense to more of a point guard type offense where they're, you know, catch, you know, point and shoot type passing, um, spread the field, point and shoot, find targets quickly. And he goes to break records with uh, Burrow and becomes a Heisman winner. When you look at Joe Burrow and you look at his traits and you see, you know, smart decision maker, efficient with the football, protects the football, doesn't have the strongest arm. Who does that sound like? Bridgewater. All right. Now you add Bridgewater with a guy that he's familiar with and some underrated weapons in Carolina. The offense will be much better than what people are are giving them credit for. They're going to be fine offensively. The question I have for the Panthers, they have way too many young players on defense. And young, young players and youth, 
on defense is a lot of busted assignments waiting to happen. So if their defense can grow up quickly, they'll be in the mix in that division as well, or at least for the final playoff spot. But I have no problems about Burrow, I'm sorry, Brady and uh, Bridgewater because of Burrow and Bridgewater's skill set being very similar. All right. I like that. So we're, we're, I mean, is we haven't even said McCaffrey as a major part of this offense, right? Like this is just, that's under what's understood. shouldn't have to be said Nando. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like we, I mean, I think people assume it'll be, okay, you know, McCaffrey offense runs through McCaffrey, whatever, whatever. But you're just saying like the entire offense, this isn't just speaking fantasy wise. This is speaking football wise. This is going to be a very good offense. People are underrating. Right. Cause you expect, um, uh, McCaffrey to have what? Over a thousand yards once again. Uh, may not have a thousand yards receiving like he did, but you you expect him to have a thousand yards and at least five hundred yards receiving, right? Okay. Then you expect Ian Thomas to break out. We talked about that before. Yeah, that's uh, an Emory be, guy. Yep. I got a list of Emory guys. And we talked about uh, Curtis Samuel being a move piece in that offense and playing in a slot. Oh, by the way, they add Robbie Anderson, and they also have DJ Moore. So their offense from a weapons perspective, is ready to go. The offensive line, Russell Okun, if he can you know, stay healthy. Greg Little is still on the pup. They drafted him last year. They're expecting him to take a big step. You know, they traded Okun, traded for Okun, but they traded away their best guard, which is Trey Turner. So they're expecting Dennis Daly to continue to elevate his play. I like what they have at Taylor Moten on the right side at right tackle. They brought in Matt Paradis from Denver at center. So, the offensive line may be a concern, but you have a smart quarterback that's able to, to quickly diagnose what's going on and get rid of the football quickly into the hands of these dynamic options at running back, receiver, and tight end. So I have no worries about their offense. Defensively, they're probably going to start two rookies, uh, maybe even three if you're thinking uh, your two your tour gross Matos out of Penn State is going to play ahead of Weatherly, but I think Weatherly is going to get the start. Jeremy Chin at strong safety is out of Southern Illinois. Um, he's probably going to play a lot. They're probably going to see Troy Pride Jr. out of Notre Dame start in the slot. They're gonna, there's a lot of youth and turnover on defense, so you worry about their cohesiveness. But the names impress you, but the cohesiveness is something that I have to wait and see. Can we get into the DJ Moore, uh, Curtis Samuel thing? I, like, I know Robbie Anderson's in there now, but is it, I mean, has DJ Moore just gone next level and Samuel wasn't? Or can we kind of say maybe? You know, that was the old regime, the coaching regime, the old quarterback. Uh, you know, this new regime might just equalize them again. Or maybe even this is the Samuel year to shine. I think this is more of the Samuel year to shine because of the offense that he's in. You think about what Joe Brady's offense looked like at LSU. Three wide receivers, one tight end, one back in the backfield. They have the three receivers, and they have the tight end, they have the back in the backfield. And all of those guys were having success at LSU. And I thought a lot of the issues with Curtis Samuel was twofold. One, wasn't as healthy as you would like. And two, they couldn't figure out a role. Well, are we going to use him more as a runner? Or are we going to try to make him a slot receiver? Are we going to play him outside? They couldn't figure out a role. And I think when you look at Joe Brady coming in and understanding, hey, this guy is dynamic with the ball in his hands. He's a slot receiver. Our right. slot receivers had success at LSU. He's going to feature him a lot. And with the advent of Moore and Anderson pulling coverage away from the middle of the field, Samuel's going to eat. And Thomas. I like it. I like it when I, we do the Emory checks Nando's work and, uh, you know, it's right, kind of. Yeah. You, Maybe you, not for all the right reasons. But <laughs> <laughs> you got the right answer. I'm not going to check your work. And I'm not going to ask you how you got the right answer, but you got the right <laughs> Thank answer. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you know what? So we're pretty deep in the show. Maybe I'll just do one of these and tease it for next week. What do you think? Because I still kind of want to get into Zach Taylor, who's not new, but I mean, like, I'd like to see what his offense might feel like with Joe Burrow. Yes, I mean, we could listen. You, you know, I'm efficient with the uh, with the analysis, so it won't take long to to talk about a lot of things. Yeah, I know, but I but I like it. Like we've gone so like we've gone. I have another half of a show that we didn't even get to yet. Ah, see, look at that. In a good, but this is in a good way. I mean, like this has gone places I didn't know it was going to go. Yeah, so let's do that. Let me, let me just give you one to give people a preview of what we're going to be kind of talking about next week. Um, and since I teased this one, we'll save the Jaguars over under for next week. But since I teased this one earlier, I, this one I, I found very interesting. It was on DraftKings. Um, and they got, you know, future props, player props, stuff like that. But this one had, so it, it did player to have more passing touchdowns. And they put Tom Brady against Cam Newton and then Teddy Bridgewater versus Cam Newton. 
And so the Tom Brady versus Cam Newton was Tom Brady minus 670 and Cam Newton plus 470. And then Bridgewater was minus 134 and Newton was plus 110. Uh, if you're not into gambling and stuff, and like I'm not like I'm still learning the ins and outs of a lot of this stuff, but the minus 670 makes Brady like a crazy, crazy favorite. Cam Newton plus 470 means you put $100 and you win 470, so you walk out with 570. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Emery? And for Tom Brady, you, you basically, the idea is you spend $670 to win 100 so you'll walk out with 770 if, if Brady wins this bet. Um, I don't know, Emery. Like, is, is this, should it be such a huge upset? I mean, is, is Tom Brady, you hear these stories about him having to learn a new playbook and you know the heat and stuff like that. He does have stud receivers. Um, but Cam Newton playing in this New England system, just, I don't know, it seems like he's got a better chance than they're giving him at least for passing touchdowns. See, I don't know, man, because when you factor in, yeah, the, the Bucks have great receivers. They also have great tight ends. You know, so yeah. there's a potential for him to throw 35 touchdowns. Uh, Newton, I think a lot of his touchdowns, his passing touchdowns will get, you know, cut because of his ability to, to score rushing touchdowns. So that's where they get you with that bet right there. The interesting bet is him, you know, being – an underdog to Bridgewater's passing yeah. touchdowns. Yeah. Um, that Which is right so there. The, spoiler alert, but on the flip side, Bridgewater's minus 67 for passing yards and Newton's plus 137. So they really feel that Bridgewater is not going to have more touchdowns than Newton. They they want no, they got, to No, they got Bridgewater actually as the favorite. Yeah, but Bridgewater's you said Bridgewater's minus 134. Yeah. You said minus Sorry. 67, right? Minus 167. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you said yeah. just 67. Oh, all right. So, yeah, you know. That that one is that one is a, a trickier bet because Bridgewater I can easily see having twenty five touchdowns. I can also see Newton having twenty five passing touchdowns. So that one would be one I would stay away from. All right, or maybe go Cam. I mean Cam's the but it's plus one ten is basically you know nothing. You know like not nothing. Right, that's what I'm saying. Ten bucks down, you get eleven. Like what's the point? That that's what I'm saying. And yeah. when you look at Bridgewater, I would probably lean more Bridgewater because of what we just talked about with all those options. Yeah, who's I mean, Cam, who's going to be Cam's number? Is it going to be Mohamed Sanu? Is this like the Mohamed Sanu year? You want the one person that's going to probably feast that no one's talking about right now that was high on football game plans draft board. I actually our number one uh, flex tight end, I believe, or inline tight end. I think it was may have been inline or H back. It was Devin Asiasi. It was inline. Uh, the rookie out of UCLA, catch and run tight end, really outstanding. We wrote about him uh, on the Athletic, so guys can go check that out. I believe. Yeah, we should plug the Athletic. Well, we're on the Athletic podcast. <laughs> <laughs> go check that out. <laughs> uh, all right, how how's he, does he just fit into the New England system? Like that's the system that's not going to change, and they use the tight end, and that's why he's going to be awesome. And he's just really good on top of that. All of that, and also Cam. You saw the work he did with Greg Olson. Yeah, right. Every year. Right. But to answer your question, when you talk about receivers, you got Nikhil Harry, Julian Edelman, Muhammad Sanu. You know, you're expecting Harry to take a jump. Edelman is going to be Edelman. Uh, but I think Asiasi is the one that people need to really keep an eye on and draft if you can. Late. As maybe your second tight end? Like does he yeah, have, I mean, does he have like 750-yard Eight touchdown is that we're looking at are we looking at like 1100 yards six touchdowns how, how are you seeing that offense kind of play out with him that's a good question i think somewhere in between that number right. so you know whether you want a low end or high end i think he's a good option to have here's a question how come no one's talking about him but you are because everyone is all looking at the same things you know they're chasing the same ball when if they just look to the left there's a bunch of balls over there in the yard. You know you know what I mean? So, um, And that's the fantasy industry as a whole, man. Everyone is using the same metrics, saying the same things, focus on the same players. And when somebody, you know, some when someone new gets mentioned, it's a big, you know, squirrel moment as an industry. So let's say they see, they're reading an article that, man, Cam looks good, and everyone is writing about how Cam should be your, your top quarterback that you take. Well, he should have been that way before. You know, right. just like the Lamar Jackson or just like when you see uh, someone uh, have success in, in an offense. You know, these are the same people that are saying you should draft Christian McCaffrey first. 
were they were the same ones that were saying he's really a slot receiver, not really a running back. So you got to be careful where you get your information. Inspect what you expect. Stop buying from Acme. Keep going. <laughs> I feel like you have three more zingers. I'm, I'm, I'm cooling out on the zingers. I'm turning over a new leaf. <laughs> yeah, come on. With the, with this. <laughs> Whatever. I don't buy it. But you feel me, what I'm saying, right? People are, like, until the tastemakers make or say his name, then everybody yeah. will say his name, you know? Yeah. And they will argue to, to the death that this guy is not an option. And that's how you get those articles in week one. Who could have seen so-and-so coming? Like, came out of nowhere. Like, no, he didn't. Here's a hyperlink. <laughs> exactly. He's been here yeah. the whole time. It's something from June. Exactly. Yeah. Something from I his know. high school season. Like, it's so funny to see that play out when you see something and people just kind of like, oh, this dude, here, this dude go again. Then, case in point, Amik Robertson gets drafted in, the, I think, the fourth round uh, from Louisiana Tech. And he was, you know, he was at the combine. He was one of the top slot corners in, in, the, in the draft class. And everybody was talking about him in the, you know, at the combine. Like, man, this dude here is just, he's a playmaker, blah, blah, blah. I just quietly retweeted a link from uh, a tweet from high school. Like, man, whoever gets this, whoever signs this dude, is getting a playmaker. Quietly? Quietly. Just like, oh, by the way, I saw this, I saw his high school tape and he wouldn't even sign anywhere. And I was like, man, who's who whoever signs this dude is gonna get a stud at corner. And Louisiana Tech ended up signing him and got a stud. Freshman All American legislation and interceptions. This is why I like doing the show with you. It's different. It's different, like in man. A, in it's a good different. way. It's not it's not only like you're trying to be different. You're just like, this is how it is. And this is what I see, man. And, and, you know, people will say you're braggadocious, but I do believe at some point you get tired of being overlooked and you get tired of not being taken seriously or taken as credible that yeah. you have to throw stuff back in people's face to let you know that this you're not you, this is not new to you. You've always been this guy. You've uh, as a uh, saying that we say down south, I've been jumped off the porch meaning I'm not a kid anymore. I've always been a grown man and an adult. And so when you when you have these opportunities uh, to throw stuff back in people's face, to put it bluntly, you have to. Because TV and national media and other writers would love to, you know, let you forget what they've said about certain players and things and situations that never came to fruition. Like we're yeah. still waiting for the Daz Bryant tape to come out, Adam Schefter. Oh man! Remember that? Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Everybody watched the tape, but nobody saw the tape. <clears throat> right. <laughs> What's going on with him? Is he done? Is that the end of who, who are we gonna see first? Antonio Bryant or Des Bryant? That's a great Antonio question. Brown or Des Bryant? I, I I think Bryant. And you know what? I think you know what really hurt Bryant. I think not being able to play for the Saints really hurt him because he would have gotten out there and shown people that he's still a very good option, and they needed the number two, which is why they ended up finding. Um, uh, Emmanuel Sanders because they knew they needed someone opposite of Michael Thomas and Dez Bryant would have been perfect but he he was going out there he was working out with the Saints he was signed with the Saints then he tears his Achilles I think so we haven't seen him play since he was in Dallas and I think not being able to show people he could still play when he was in New Orleans is hurting him right now yeah but that man what a wonderful moment it was that game when they were scoring all the touchdowns and throwing up the X's yep because he, I awesome. mean, because because people know, game respects game, and he recognized game. And Des Bryant would have been ideal for the Saints uh, in that role. And I'm surprised they hadn't brought him back. But it it also speaks to what maybe they think he can or can't do. And though we saw him work out and we saw him run routes, um, you know, working out with Donovan Isom, who's a really good quarterback prospect that was in the 2020 class that should find his way on the team, um, but. You know, it's it's remarkable that no one has brought him in to to sign him outside of the the Ravens. You know, and the Ravens are stacked at receiver with young yeah. talent, right. so they don't really need Des Bryant. So, it'd be interested to see where he ends up. Um, side note before we before we wrap it up, I actually ended up winning a, a eBay auction. On uh, remember we were trying to get the PJ Walker rookie card. Oh, you got it. <laughs> well, I don't like I don't know if I got the right. So I did some research. And there was a Tops Now. First of all, you can't find the P.J. Walker. He had this Panini card from way back, which is impossible to find, and I searched a lot of places. Um, 
So there's 2020 tops now, XFL week one, that I guess people are respecting as his rookie card. So I had to buy the whole lot for $14. Uh, so it's coming. I'm going to pair it with my Donald Parham tops XFL card. <laughs> I hope the XFL comes about. back, man. I hope it comes back. I, hope, I think, you know, uh, Danny Garcia and, you know, The Rock. Uh, it feels weird calling him Dwayne Johnson. The Rock. Yeah. I think they'll do great things with the XFL. Just want to see more football to get more opportunities for these guys to play. It was fun, right? Like it was a lot of fun. It was. It really was a lot of fun. And the people that work with the league were great. Um, man, it was so. It was such a. It was a refreshing um, element of of professional football, man. Just to be able to not. It reminded me of that good bridge between college and pro, where colleges. Certain colleges are a little bit more, you know, uh, rigid, but for the most part, colleges are, are free to let you, you know, come and do what you what you want to do from a content perspective. And the XFL was was the same way. We they gave us a lot of uh, freedom. We were pretty much carte blanche to do what we wanted with the New York Guardians, and we yeah, had some cool. great I like shows. Them. I like their uh, their PR person. She was great. She was awesome. She was, and now she's that. a yeah, she's a super uh, um, person number one, but she's also now a, a professor she's still a professor at uh columbia so she's our nyu i think is one of those two but she she's super smart uh was real helpful and was you know she embraced the whole uh getting more content out there so it was great to work with i hope when the league comes back that she is you know a part of it as well yeah me too anyway on that note uh optimism for the xfl please uh, next week, we're going to have a bunch of mini rankings, unless something crazy happens. Uh, next week, we'll actually be almost there. That's crazy. Wow. I know, right? It'll be, it'll be kickoff. Wait, kickoff? No, it'll be we'll, the 13th. Kickoff's the, kickoff. Yeah. Wait, kickoff's 10th, isn't it? Yeah, that Thursday, yeah. Right. All right, yeah. So, we got a couple weeks. We can mess around still next week. Uh, we got some rankings. Got some more odds. Uh, definitely want to talk about this Jaguars 4.5 over under. Because $20 for me, Emery, is like a lot to put on a one thing. I'm like a $3 parlay kind of guy. And I put $40 on the Jaguars over 4.5. So, wow. Let, let that simmer. Let that simmer for a week. Over four and a half wins? Yeah, over four and a half wins. That's an easy $40 to make. That's what I'm saying. Thank you. All right. On that note, we'll get into that next week a little bit. We'll just do a bunch of over unders next week. Who knows, man? We'll talk about it off air. See what we feel. Uh, for the great Emery Hunt, uh, check him out at footballgameplan.com, youtube.com slash footballgameplan, and then fballgameplan on Twitter. Uh, I know you enjoyed what you heard, so go check him out. Follow him. Get his numbers up. So he's more attractive to the mainstream. People start learning. Uh, I'm not an Afino. Michael Beller's our producer. Probably going to have Giordano's for lunch today, and he doesn't know why. We'll talk to you all later. See you next week.